0: What's good everybody. This is X. We are on to chapter four, choices in We Exist by Michael Stevens, which is me. Uh, this is actually uh, probably going to be the second to last one for this volume. So, but my goal is to complete it tonight and put it out as two separate ones. Anyways. Um, Here's chapter four, Choices of We Exist, written by myself. Choices. The remarkable thing is, we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will fit. Wow. Okay, hold on. Let's start that again. Choices. The remarkable thing is, we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Charles R. Swindle Life is a series of choices. From the moment we take our first breath to the moment we take our last, one thing is certain. We are always making choices. Always. There isn't a second, minute, or hour that passes where a choice isn't being made. Either we choose something for ourselves, or choices made for us. It's how things work on this planet, and how we accomplish things in life. And the more adept we become at making choices, the more choices we get to make. This is important, because the more choices lead to greater opportunities. greater opportunities open the door for us to live the best life possible, and I don't mean best in a general sense. I mean <clears throat> hold on. I mean it in a very specific and personal way. The more adept you become at making choices for yourself, the more choices you unlock. These choices then unlock a more challenging set of choices, much. Ac- much like how completing a level in a video game unlocks the next. The key, of course, is to be as conscious as possible about making choices and while making said choices and, oh sorry, the key, of course, is to be as conscious as possible about making choices all the while making said choices as quickly as possible because the quicker we learn to make choices for ourselves the quicker we can move forward in life, which is a great place to start at the choice of moving forward. Moving forward. The greatest lesson we learn in life is that of loss. It's incredible. And yet, loss gets a bad rap simply because most people see it as negative. And why not? if you think about it, is it not the root cause of almost all of your all of our pain, both as individuals and a collective, from losing a parent or significant other to losing our favorite blanket or teddy bear? The loss can really throw us for a loop, especially when we are young. This is because hidden within all moments of loss is trauma and it is and it is within trauma that we store our emotional attachments which in turn hold the rules we create about ourselves perhaps this could explain why a child who succeeded in athletics with ease would instantly become an underachiever in life simply because they hurt females or sorry Perhaps this could explain why a child who succeeded in athletics with ease would instantly become an underachiever in life simply because they hurt the feelings of a female classmate. And the reason for this fall from grace? Simple. We we are constantly writing rules about ourselves, and if we aren't cognizant about this process, the rules are written by our automatic piloting system. Which simply pulls data from our current moment up to the beginning of our lives. And if we don't have any prior experience, something gets made up. It happens with every traumatic experience, and thus, if we don't know where we're writing these rules, chances are, rules are being written for us. And while these rules are necessary for the time they are written, if not audited properly, they could cause serious damage to our future selves, as these rules often hamper us later in life. A good example of this takes us back to 1990, back when I was a giant among boys and a little overconfident, at least when it came to physical education. I was also 10 years old, over 5 feet, and coordinated. So with my height advantage and no delay on physical or on coordination, phys- physical education was a blast. Yet lacked certain challenges. For me, gym class was freedom—no desk, no memorization, just some what, just some eye-hand coordination and athletics. I loved it, and it loved me. Of course, the saying "all good things come to an end" is true, and for me, my zest for physical education would soon be destroyed. You see, being overconfident has its disadvantages. For one, because we're brought up in a society where compassion is driven more towards those needing assistance than those crushing it, nobody cared to hear my side of the story. And while it may not seem like it, I was a pretty competitive kid. I played hockey for a few seasons only to quit because I didn't like the hours, I was six, and back then it was just some glorified stick and puck, remember. I hated it so much that during a random practice, when my dad and uncle asked if there was anything else I'd rather be doing, I nodded, looked at them, and said yes, I'd rather be sitting. In my defense, I'd been standing around waiting for my turn to skate around pylons. It's pretty boring stuff. Thankfully, by the time we moved to to Maple Ridge, my hockey career was over, and I could focus on playing another activity, like playing baseball. To be fair, my baseball career also started at the age of six, but because practices and games were held at a reasonable hour, I didn't mind playing. Of course, I also quit baseball, but but only to focus on the last sport I still enjoyed—basketball. And while there was a time when I was a top prospect in my district, considering in grade eight I was almost 5'9 and coordinated, I eventually stopped caring about baseball. Oh, sorry, I eventually stopped caring about basketball. I gave up. I had stopped growing, was completely injury prone, weak ankles, and heartbroken, even though I had a girlfriend at the time. However... At least in my younger days, when it came to playing sports I enjoyed, including, oddly enough, floor hockey, I excelled without much effort, which also meant I wasn't being challenged enough. So more often than not, as I usually would, and still do today, I found ways to challenge myself. Unfortunately, this mentality would also bite me in the ass. As I said above, When I was younger, nobody cared to understand my side of the story. So when I refused to participate in physical education, mainly because I didn't want to play with girls, I was labeled a chauvinist. Thus, instead of seeing the full spectrum of my actions, including the times I'd actually participate, my teachers focused on the times I'd refused to play altogether. Of course, being upset at least emotionally, as well as being a terrible communicator back then, my reason for walking usually fell on deaf ears. And while my teachers were okay with girls twirling, screaming, running around, and gossiping, as it was considered normal behavior for kids my age, I found it annoying. Guess what? I still do. And the thing is, or the thing most teachers fail to notice is that it wasn't just about girls. You see, I'd walk if any boys wasted my time as well, yet somehow I'd never receive any flack for those times. I'd simply be ushered back onto the field and told to play ball. And because I didn't want to get in trouble, as I too understood consequences of disobeying authority back then, I fell in line and hated every minute of it. And while I was a terrible communicator back in the day, I would eventually learn how to communicate properly as a young adult. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be until January 2017 at the age of 36 that I'd be able to discuss these events in full. This is because, up until then, I was still riddled with past trauma, some of which happened during my formal education years. Of course, I'm not blaming formal education for my trauma. I'm simply stating the arena in which a portion of it was created. Thus, from June 2015 to December 2016, I made it my mission to deal with my shit. And while pushing through my pain was at times excruciating, I'm in a much better space now, both mentally and emotionally. You see, by letting go of my past trauma, I gained a new perspective of how to live. And how to treat others, including my past teachers and fellow students, as well as anyone else who'd run, who who had a run-in with Mean Mike. It also taught me the meaning and purpose of self-love, and the importance of self-acceptance. At least, for this example. Oh, sorry. And at least for this example, it showed me a way to offer compassion towards other people and forgive myself for the trauma I created. It also allowed me to release uh, the grudge I held against my teacher in fifth grade, the teacher who simply protected a girl from an overly competitive boy. And by releasing the grudge, I was also able to rewrite a rule written at age 10 that being successful, successful meant pain for others. This began Years of sabotaging, all by choice, of course. Oh, man, hold on. This this began years of sabotaging, all by choice, of course. The crazy thing is, I feel like I've been in a fucking coma for years. And now that I'm free, it finally makes sense. All the anger and resentment towards people, I put the onus on them when it was me the whole time. That's choice. It's so ingrained in us that sometimes we don't even know we're making them. But we make choices all the time. From blinking, to typing, to pausing and reflecting, to walking, jogging, and running, to driving cars, and a hell of a lot more. All choices. And if you think about it, just as I chose to write my own rules, you chose to write your own. And only you can rewrite them. Remember, in the end, it's all a. I wish you good luck and all the best. We are existence. Peace out. You know what? I'm going to just read this through. I'm going to go into Appendix A and uh, read the root association method.